Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What's up, everyone? How you guys and gals doing? Welcome to the show, man. We're going to be talking about this new movie that's going to be coming out, I believe, in December. It's titled The Bike Riders. Now, this is going to be based on Danny Lyons' photo book during the 1960s. This is going to be a good one, and I'm going to tell you why. It's been very unfortunate for us the last couple years or last couple decades, if you want to put it that way, that we are portrayed so bad to the public, so bad in the media that it is actually kind of cool that they're going to be making a movie based on somebody that was there, that was documented the whole scene back in the 1960s. Now, the 1960s were something else for bikers, let me tell you, especially motorcycle clubs. And Danny Lyons, he actually went around in the 1960s, followed the Chicago Outlaws and documented it. And you got that iconic picture of one of the outlaws going over uh, that bridge in Kentucky, I believe it was. Uh, it's all over the place, that picture. And it's recreated in this movie. Now, one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to this one, and by the way, it's entertainment. A lot of people forget when you're watching these shows that it is for entertainment. And that the movie industry, you know, they got to throw some drama in there. That way you'll watch it. If not, it's like, okay, you know, uh, he's riding a bike. Yeah, whatever. But no, they want to keep you going. But with some of the shows, they really went over the top with their drama. It had no reality whatsoever in real life of what clubs are supposed to be about. And that's why I'm looking forward to this movie, Bike Riders. Also be because it's based on Danny Lyons stuff. And Danny Lyons, man, you need to learn your history. Go uh, take a look at that because a lot of people don't know who he is, especially the younger generation. So let's give an overview of what's going to happen in this movie right here and the iconic photo is that one right there louis uh, louisville patch man were those those had to be the days man that's when uh the aoa well it was probably before AOA. no that was the aoa day right there uh they had the one piece charlie patch right there uh I guess they go on to say the upcoming movie will be based on a journalistic photography book by Danny Lyon that has the same name, even though it was written. And this is, it is kind of funny that they didn't use this as a basis. They came out with the easy riders and stuff. And I have to say, and I'm going to burn some ass hairs there. Easy riders <laughs> flop. 
I didn't like it at all. Uh, you know, it was about, I have no idea what it was about, you know, maybe a good acid trip. Who knows? Even though it was written uh, before in one of the most well-known films on the subject, Easy Rider, the novel by Lyon is widely considered among the best documentations of the biker culture that existed in the 1960s. Now, as you can see from that picture right there, the early 60s was more of a greaser type of look and then it just spanned out uh anything goes type of look uh when the vietnam war and all that came out now here's the story uh summary and this was provided by 20th century studios the film uh it says you will be immersed in the appearance feel and sounds of the bare knuckled grease covered subculture of the 60s motorbike riders as you watch the bike riders which was inspired by the legendary book of photographs by danny lyon kathy comer a strong-willed member of the vandals okay yeah they're gonna put a different club name in there uh but we all know who they're talking about who is married to a wild and reckless bike rider named benny butler recounts the vandals progression over a decade so it's kind of giving you how it went from one area of the Midwest and started spreading out. The Vandals started as a local club of outsiders united by respect and their strong and steady leader, Johnny Hardy. Through the years, Kathy has done her best to negotiate her husband's wild character and his dedication to Johnny, with whom she thinks she must fight for Benny's attention. She has done her best to keep up with Johnny, Kathy, Betty, uh, Benny, and Johnny are in a position that they will choose between their allegiance to the Vandals as club and their allegiance to each other. This is because life in Vandals is becoming more per perilous and the club is in danger of becoming a more sinister gang. <laughs> now, there isn't no trailer for the bike. I, I, you know what? I still love that picture right there. Come on. Who can't? That is iconic right there. Iconic. And you, you know what? There wasn't digital cameras back there either. Uh, I guess there's no trailer for it. Now, Jeff Nichols is the one that's going to be directing it. He's from Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and he says uh, the scenery and atmosphere of his movies are typically drawn from the south. In addition, he's well known for ongoing partnerships with actor Mike Shannon who uh, played a role and all that kind of stuff. Now, let's see here. There's a whole cast of people, and it looks like it's a cast of people that are really unknowns in this one. So that means it's just going to be better because known actors, they ruin everything. I'm just saying. But that's what uh, is coming up. There's a picture of uh, the scene right there. And it even, well, there's the Chicago, uh, Chicago patch with the vandals. Now, that doesn't mean, people, that uh, you go out and make a club named the vandals. Please, this is entertainment. Entertainment. You know, because after those other series, we had a bunch of schlucks that came out and made the same damn club and stuff like that. But, yeah, that right there is the bike riders and i think it's going to give an in-depth look kind of through a dramatic type of feel 
of the 1960s because a lot of people they tend to forget yeah the 60s was a hardcore time for clubs but in the early 60s it was still a layover from the 1950s as far as the greaser look out there and it's always funny when you hear younger ones within the scene they're like oh man nice jacket man i still have one of them old ass jackets too man i've had one for over what 30 years that i got sitting out there old greaser type looking jacket nobody knows man that pure leather is warm and it keeps you dry let me tell you that but that was an age of the rebellion man the 1960s rebellion was written all over that one so it's going to be interesting to see how they portray how that club moves forward again it's entertainment and see how it closely aligns with danny lyons's book it's going to be so interesting to see how that is happening let me know what you guys think and i again i think this is december that's coming out i think it's going straight to the theaters or something personally i'd like to see it streamed on netflix or something but uh because no who goes to a movie theater anymore I know I don't. I just wait till it comes up on streaming or you to stream it right there from the movies, they say. Anyway, we're going to go to the second half of the show right now. Let me know what your guys' thoughts are. Make sure you like and subscribe. Go over to the Madhouse or the Morning Madhouse show over on YouTube. Listen to it on MotorcycleMadhouse.com. China Dow's coming in right now. Rock on, baby. Well, is an in-depth look at the trials and tribulations of street gang and motorcycle club life. This isn't the run-of-the-mill book that doesn't give the goods. This book will go into detail of events that actually happened. All materials in this book have been approved by those involved. There is nothing poetic, nor is there any price worth paying for the life we choose to live on the streets. James Hollywood Machikari, Brotherhood and Betrayal. Join the Insane Throttle Members Only Club on YouTube or Spotify and receive exclusive content. Your membership in the Throttle Club helps keep the show going. What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? It's Taco Tuesday, baby. If you got a taco, make sure you go down there and eat it. Just make sure it don't smell like fish. What's up, China Dow? Do you smell like tuna today? Uh, no. <laughs> I would hope not. I'm just wondering, man, because some of you women out there, they don't know how to take care of that funk. It's just, you know, shit. a lot of women have a lot of funk to them. Yeah. They do. It's like nasty, dirty, baby, man. I'm telling you. Today, we're going to be talking about Never Say Die. Oh, yeah. The 80s were something, baby. This was. I'm missing it. That was Iron Eagle right there. Remember that movie? That was yeah. kind of a kick-ass movie. The effects sucked, but... <laughs> You're like, the effects sucked. That's because there were famous people in it. No, there wasn't that many. Luke Gossip <laughs> Jr. was in that one. But it wasn't the best effects back in the 80s, man. You, you'd tell they were models and shit hanging from a string. Uh, string. <laughs> kind of like Star Wars. 
that was like 1977 it came out and stuff man that's when they were wearing all that weird ass clothing and bell bottoms i remember i have a picture where i wanted to smack my mother in the mouth for putting me in that shit you wore bell bottoms i didn't wear bell bottoms not me did you wear corduroy so when you walked together they went yeah man i wore goodwill shit and stuff like that but i seen some pictures of you and you look totally like how the hell did i marry this thing I looked like a door. You did. You had that bowl haircut as a girl. I did. What the fuck was <laughs> wrong with that? Because it was the only haircut my mom knew how to do without having to take me to the hairdresser. But on a girl? Yes, I did. I matched my younger brother. I don't know. It kind of looks like you got we that kind of haircut now, but just with spikes. Oh, my God. Stop. It does look like Get that. over the hair thing. I can't. Oh, my God. I stop. I can't. I'm just, I can't. But we're going to be talking about never say die, which means keep moving forward, man. A lot of people like giving up on life when there's challenges put in front of them. It seems like nowadays people, they run to the antidepressants and all that kind of crap. Yeah. Instead of working through it. And dealing with the situation. And get into the depression stuff. And I wonder if mental health issues is being way overrated now. Where everybody has a mental issue. Everybody's a crazy. I don't think so. What do you mean you don't think so? I think so because that's all you hear about is that. Well, yeah, that's all you hear about. But I don't know. Everybody's everybody's got something. Everybody's got something wrong with them. But it's become more prevalent in society, and it kind of makes you feel like, damn, get over it already. Seriously, it's like, get over it. A lot of things Life sucks. A lot of things aren't as easy for people to get over. Like what? Uh, depending on what goes on in their life. Yeah, but don't you want to move forward instead of backwards? Yeah, but there's a lot of things you got to think about. You got to think about the bigger picture. Okay, for example, I learned it. That when you have a tough situation, you got to basically go through the grieving process like you do with a death. That's interesting, but that's not the subject that we're going to cover today. Okay, well. Uh, Dibber, 99% of people that have got what I have end up on head meds know me as I stay above it. And that uh, you know what? That's perfectly correct because these doctors, the first thing they want to do is run right to the meds and it's it's especially funny when you first go see a doctor the fuckers just roll out a whole list of medications oh let's try this or let's try that instead of sitting there and talking getting to learn the person i've known you've run into this kind of crap yeah Mm, twice twice you did by the same doctor it it was funny because it used to be where you would just take it, take whatever the hell they wanted to throw at you. Because you figure they're that they know they're doctors. Right. But then you got to sit there and you listened to me and said, oh, fuck you. No, I'm not taking this. Yeah. I, I think the shrink's a little mad. Well, he can. Because I told him basically to F off. You know, he that's what I don't like about psychiatrists. No, they just want to give you more and more and more and more and more. And that's not right because some of these drugs really screw with somebody's chemicals. They really screw you up. Where then you go into somebody's counselors 
and they want to give all kinds of damn advice. And by the way, most of these counselors see another counselor. That's pretty messed up if you ask me that you're a counselor or a psychiatrist. You're seeing somebody else. It's like, dude, you're seeing a psychiatrist. I don't want you to be seeing me. Okay. Your head's fucked up at the same time. So I don't need you. But you got to work through the problems and you got to keep moving on. And a lot of people give up. And I think that's the reason why I titled this thing Never Say Die, because you got to move forward. You Life's too damn short. I just seen a post on Facebook. It was because you got your alumni or alumni. Alumni. Whatever. That you have from high school. And you see some of these classes from the 1960s, 1970s. And they say this might be our last one because they're getting old. Real old. They're going to about to die. And then you look back and say to yourself, man, I only might got 20 years left, 30 years left. Why in the hell am I worrying about some dumb shit that happened long ago? It's holding me back. It's not moving me forward. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. And by time they get 80 years old, they look back and say, you know what? I screwed up. I should have left that, let that go. And now I'm going to die. That's not living, I don't think. And that even goes towards, yeah, sports where you want to keep moving forward. Life is kind of like sports. It's kind of like football. It's all a contact sport. And you always got to be making your next moves. Really, I used to always compare life to a game of chess. Well, you can compare it to a game of chess. Because it's a game of chance. Life really, it is a game of chance, isn't it? Yeah. Where you're taking chances every time you turn around. And sometimes you really think, got to sit there and think about your next move before just jumping the gun. Well, this is true. This is true. Uh, the peepholes in charge will make sure we are all dust in the wind soon. What do you think about how the psychiatrist? I think they're just overpaid assholes. I think they're getting too many kickbacks from too many meds, and that's why they want to prescribe so many. So you really got to pay attention to what they're trying to get you to take. This is true. And then the, the counselors, what I can't stand about counselors is they try to talk to you in the terms of a book. Something that they learned from a book. From a book in college. Yep. A lot of these counselors say are in their early 20s. What kind of fucking life experience do you got in your early 20s to be give somebody else advice? See, that's what one thing I can't stand is taking advice from people that's never lived it. Or has an opinion on something they never tried or done. I hate that. I really do. I hate it. That's kind of like, you know, and I hate busting on, you know, others with protocol channels and stuff. It's like, you've only been around this shit maybe five, ten years. You don't know dick. So why are you trying to give advice uh, to somebody else? And what's worse is these people take that advice. It's like, no, this is something you got to live, man. You got this is something you got to build over decades before you can open your mouth up. 
you got people that are trying to say, okay, this is the way it was. This is why I didn't prospect. This is why this, this is why it's like, shut the fuck up already. You look like a retard. True enough. Am I right or wrong? You look like a retard. Yeah, if they're talking about something they have no clue about, yeah, they look stupid. You think you'd want to get a little experience? Well, if you haven't been there, done that, don't talk about it. But because that we have this internet world, anybody can pick up a mic and do it. And they do. And people believe it. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing about the bikers that I always thought was you would see through bullshit that you would ask questions but now it's all based on personality and all the i don't know editing and all the persona that you put out there and i think that comes from ignorance that people actually look at that stuff pure ignorance you know i had this one video this one short it's getting a lot of people that have never been in the scene but they want to come over and talk shit you know how them people are mm -hmm. and especially these younger generation ones you can tell they're not riders they never rode a motorcycle in their life but they want to come over and give opinions and one of their uh favorite things to do these uh young idiots is to say oh the fat bikers old timers well, if you truly run into somebody that's real, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get smashed. And one thing about, and I'm going to be doing, I actually am. I'm going to be doing a video on this over on YouTube. And it's going to be titled, The Greatest Lie Bikers Say About Motorcycle Clubs. That's what it's going to be titled. Rut row. And you know what the biggest fucking lie is? What? That if we don't change, if we don't stop, we will no longer have a motorcycle club lifestyle. It's like, shut the fuck up. They've been saying that since the 60s. And that's the problem with them is they don't got the experience to know that every time the feds have tried to take down a club, it is doubled in size from that bust. They didn't lose members. They gained it from that bust. It's the way it, I don't know how many times I've heard since the 1979, the first time they threw a Rico case at a club, which was the Hells Angels and Sonny Barger, that the end of our lifestyle is near. Who the hell buys that shit? Then they'll point to the Australians because of the bikey laws or the Canadians, but they're so ignorant not to know that we got a bill of rights here. We got centuries of law precedent, case precedent, where it says that's not going to happen. If we were going to lose, like they claim, the motorcycle club scene, we would have lost it with the fucking Mongols in that patch case. But guess what? The judge blocked what the government wanted. It can't be done. 
But don't I find it funny? Don't you hear that all the time? All well, the MC scene's gonna die. Yeah, I don't. It's see like it. you. I don't see it going ass. anywhere anytime soon. Right. It, it, you're an ignorant fool to believe anybody that's pushing that shit. And for one, there's different subcultures within the club scene. You know, you got your regular riding clubs, your associations. You, then you got your, you know, three-piecers. Then you got your diamonds. It's like, if you don't know or you haven't had experience within one of them cultures, shut the fuck up. Who wants to hear you? Nobody. Except the idiots that never got to the point where they actually jumped. You know, that's the thing with supporters I have a hard time dealing with. They'll go and run their mouths, but they never tried to put a patch on. So what does that say to, you know, somebody who's been around it? Well, you're a coward. You want to sit here. You want to, especially the supporters that dress up in all the colors of the club. It's like, dude, go take that step. You want to support? Oh, no, you man. I've support been supporting it. these guys for 20 years. I never needed to do it. No, it's because you're a chicken shit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And those are the bikers that I was raised around. The Vietnam era boys. They didn't take that bullshit. But to always hear these people out there, if we don't change, we don't do that, things are going to die. Shut the fuck up, you idiot. Nothing's going to die. They've been saying that since the 60s, so shut up. You look ignorant. And the reason why you're saying that is because you don't got the balls to go live in that kind of world. So I think that comes into, I'm going to push that back in to these counselors, is you haven't lived the damn life. You haven't lived at all. So how the hell are you going to give me some kind of advice? All you're going to do is fuck up a weak mind. Somebody that is actually going to sit there and listen to your bullshit. Hell, they might as well pick up a damn book themselves, just like you did. And I think that's the, the reason why this country is so messed up is because people want to be a victim. There ain't no victimhood in life. And if you think about it, we got it pretty good in the United States, most Western uh, countries. You think you have problems, go be a man or a woman over in the Middle East. They sure the hell don't got counselors over there. They got a different culture. But we, we as Americans, we that live in Western countries are always playing the victim. And I don't like that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Steve, I hate super supporters more than anything. 100%. You know, those super supporters. I They do. They dress up from head to toe 
in somebody's colors. And then they go out and talk smack, especially out on the internet. It's funny as hell. Because a lot of us creators that do this, we can tell if you're in a club or not. And it's usually the super supporters that think they got big dicks that can go out and start some bullshit. Well, go prospect, asshole. See where you at. But what do you think of what I just said about how can people give experience advice when they haven't experienced it? As far as counselors? Yeah, counselors, psychiatrists, I don't want to doctors. Not, I don't want to knock counselors because our daughter's a, psychi a psychologist. So. Yeah, but she is a psychologist to kids. Yeah, because a lot, to of, kids. A lot of stuff that she's gone through in her life as when she was a kid. So she, she has she, life experience. She understands what they're going through, and she is young. She's 20, you know, 25, 26 years old. So it, it's acceptable for her to give advice to Yeah, she's not children. giving it. She does not give advice to adults. But when it comes to somebody who's 25 trying to give advice to an adult that's 30 or 40. Or 50. That's hypocritical. That's stupid. You can't give me that advice. I've lived it, but you haven't. Hell, and nowadays you can't even tell me what a woman is and you want to give me an advice. <laughs> They're that age. Huh? That age group can't define a woman. So if you can't define a woman, how the hell are you going to give me advice? Well, psychiatrists' only agenda in life is basically to drug everyone up. That is their agenda. You know, you can't sit there meeting a psychiatrist for the first time and they uh, want you to try seven different medications and you refuse to try them. And then the next time you go see them, they offer you seven more. And so, then you get to the point where you tell them to go fuck themselves. So basically what you're saying is there is they don't care. And I truly believe I don't this. think they really care what's going on in your life. They it's just want to give you meds. These psychiatrists are not ethical. Because no. they're in bed with these pharmaceutical companies. 100% in bed with them. And it doesn't even matter how many of them they're in bed with. Because their agenda is just to push drugs. They don't sit there and talk to you, the psychiatrist. They don't want to get to know you. They don't care. It's all about, so well, why don't we try this? So the issue, it escalates to where they're doing more harm. They're definitely going to do more harm than good. They're they're just going to keep pushing meds, pushing meds. And those that don't sit back or don't have a support group to like, a, you know, people at home that they can talk to or whatever to help them realize that all they're doing is pushing these meds, pushing these meds. And they're basically going to screw you up 10 times worse than what you already were. They don't care. I believe that our generation has failed. Our generation used to be the lock uh, key generation where we would have to be more self-sufficient because our parents were always at work. That was generation X. And the problem is we didn't take them lessons and pass it to our kids. Instead, we gave them everything they wanted to. Mm hmm we didn't give them a chance to experience the hard parts of life. We were always too protective of them, which our generation was raised by the baby boomers. And we had reality hit us real quick a lot of times. And it made a lot of us stronger willed. But now 
you have these people that are younger. They don't know how to persevere, you know, beer. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to look life in the eye and say, fuck you. They don't have that. And I think that's one of the reasons why the mental health industry is booming right now. Because everybody's a victim. Mm -hmm. One thing that really impresses me or makes me think about how life is, is when you see a kid that's sick. They're not sitting there saying, you know what, feel sorry for me. No, they're pushing forward. All those kids with cancer. All those kids that are sitting at St. Jude's right now, they're saying never say die. We're going to keep moving. We love life. So what does that say to you when you have a kid that's facing that situation and you have grown-ass adults who can't even freaking tie their shoes because I'm depressed? What's that say? Little babies out there smiling and fighting and a warrior as any freaking 30, 40 years old, 30, 40 year old man sitting there crying like a bitch. But these babies are five, six years old and fighting. That some of these kids are stronger than adults. And they, they want to stick around. They want to see what's coming next. They, 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 they don't want to give up. And that's a lot of things nowadays. These kids that are sick don't give up. They fight. They fight. They get, you know what? They're vicious little warriors. They're looking at these diseases and laughing at them. That's what they do. They laugh at it and keep moving forward. And that's why I can't understand some adults. What in the hell is wrong with you? Do you know how lucky you really have it? You know, when somebody goes out there and gets addicted to heroin or fentanyl, do I feel sorry for him? Fuck no. Because you're a weak-minded person. You did it to yourself. You thought turning to heroin or fentanyl that was going to save all your problems. Well, as soon as you get, uh, you know, out of your stump... Before you go for your next hit, the problems are still there. You're weak. And you got, you know what? It really does, because I have to go through this personally with my grandkid who has spina bifida in the ER all the time, in ICU, and he always smiles. Always. But then society tells me that I have to feel sorry for people that are hooked on drugs. It's a disease. Do you think uh, being hooked on drugs is a disease? It's a choice. They choose to do them. You can say no. But is it a disease? Yes or no? Do I personally think it is? No. But other people say yes. What's that tell you about those other people? That they're contributing to the problem. They definitely are. The only way you're going to quit heroin or quit freaking all these hardcore drugs is just stop. 
by perseverance and telling yourself, you know what? I don't need this kind of shit to make it through life. Cause all that is, is a disguise. All drugs are, or if you're a heavy ass alcoholic is you're trying to cover up your problems. That's all it's about. And when you're not doing the drinking, you're not doing the drugs. Guess what? The problem's still there. Mm -hmm. It's not going to go away. It might go away for that short period of time, but guess what? It's still there. Face your problems head on. And what do you think about what Steve said here? Like all those idiots who abuse pills and then blame the pharmaceutical companies. No one made them abuse the damn pills and then turn to dope. Well, that's just like this when uh, psychiatry uh, prescribes you like five medications and you're like, oh, well, this guy knows knows what he's talking about. And you choose to take all those pills. Then you end up more screwed up than when you went to first visit the person. But then you want to turn around and blame them. But you can't blame them because you had the right to turn down the medication and tell them you're not going to take that. I mean, do your due diligence when you get prescribed a medication and. Yeah, hate to say it, but look it up. But I'm talking about as far as what he just said. They want to put the blame on the pharmaceutical companies. You know people that abuse Xanax and actually get on their knees and sucker pecker just to get a Xanax. Yes, I do. Because they're that hooked and they won't be. And doctors barely prescribe it anymore. Mm -hmm. So people that get those prescriptions for Xanax, they're not willing to share Unless you do something for it or pay them for it. And all Xanax did was calm you down. Mm -hmm. It don't give you any damn high. Depends how much you take. Well, I guess you can be right about that. It does. It depends on how much you take. If you take above and beyond what you're prescribed, yeah, you're going to get a high from it. And that's what the people do. They overdo it. I never could understand. And this is especially a woman because it's known for women to do this is to actually prostitute their bodies out to get their next high. Mm -hmm. And then they come back and say, well, I'm living this hard life. Uh, I have to sell myself to get ahead. No, you never did have to do that. You're the one who injected it. Mm -hmm. You're the one who had to escape reality. I never understood anybody going over weed, man. Weed's fun. And it don't put you in a stoop where it destroys your whole life. Like heroin does. And I guess fentanyl is the new thing. And fentanyl, yeah. Let's see here. Rich, damn high school kids that say they're suffering for from so much stress. My God, give me a break. I have to I agree with that. I don't that. know about you, but I thought high school was pretty much cakewalk and just a good old time. It was a cakewalk until you had all this brainwashing going on that everybody's a victim. Now, there's an incident going on right now. I guess it's back with this BLM crap. They're protesting because a 21-year-old was shot and she was pregnant. And she was killed. But what they don't tell you is. She was running over a cop. Oh, it was because of color of her skin. Shut up with that stuff already. 
tell the full story, not just bits and pieces, you know? The whole full story. And then there's the hashtag ban the ADLA going right now or ADL. You know, the anti, you know, I'm not going to even call them what they are. <laughs> League who goes around and tries to extort the social media companies. Oh, you got to take this down. It's anti this. It's anti that. Everything seems to be anti something. That's what these stupid kids are pulling, you know, buying into because we as a generation didn't do our job. We should have treated them just like we got treated. You mouth off, you got punched in the mouth. Or you got your ass whooped so damn hard you didn't do that crap again. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is these kids ain't getting their asses whooped. No, they got no discipline whatsoever. They don't even know what discipline is. Oh, discipline to them is they're going to get their phone taken away or computer privileges taken away. Or sent to their room where they have a computer and a TV and... <laughs> How is that punishment? Me, I knew what a damn freaking two-inch belt was. And I sure the hell at the age of 10 knew what a freaking fist was. No, I remember the wooden spoon with the, the slots, the holes in it. Those those hurt. But you didn't get away with dumb shit. No, you got your ass whooped. You screwed up. You knew it was coming. And you even knew it before they came at you. You knew once you screwed up. Oh, crap. I'm in trouble. And you knew after that, that you learned a lesson. And you'll never do that again. And you never did. But what was wrong with our generation? I'm looking at you. I blame you all the time. Oh, geez. Here we go. That you had to make sure nothing happened to kids. Oh, they fell down. Let's take them to the emergency room. Fuck that. Get up and walk. I didn't take our kids to the emergency room. That's an example. Or somebody gets a little sniffle. Take them to the emergency room. That never happened with me, man. I was sitting there sicker than a dog. Ah, you're fine. And there was an old saying, you'd never miss school unless you were on a hospital bed. But now they get a sniffle, stay home. I'll take care of you, honey. And that's what makes a weaker person. Nowadays, they stay home because uh, their parents are at work. Our parents were at work? I know. Well, I only had one that was at work. I had one that was Most families during our generation grew up by coming home, getting the key, and walking ourselves right in. Hell, at 12 years old, we were watching our, you know, siblings. Mm Mm-hmm. But now, well, it's against law. You can't do that. What? You can at 12. It's under 12. (laughs) You can watch your siblings. The problem is parents let go of their parent responsibility. Well, and the other problem is, is kids aren't allowed to be kids anymore because they're too busy babysitting their other siblings. Let them grow up. Let them enjoy their childhood. I disagree. I disagree. What do you mean you disagree? I had to watch my brother all the damn time. Okay, so why don't we talk about our grandchildren? I think they're spoiled little brats. They are spoiled little brats, but at the same time, is it the 10-year-old's responsibility to watch babysit all her siblings? Yes. Why? Because that's how you learn responsibility. That's how you learn it. And, well, we got to let them be kids. Yeah, you do. What does that teach them, though? 
you can teach them responsibility and still let them be a kid at the same time. So was that the case with us? With our kids? No, with us as we were when growing up. When we were up. growing up, I was taught responsibility and got my ass whooped and was still be able to get be a kid. I got to do sports and do whatever and still When do you learned. think it's time for a kid to grow up? What do you mean? What age do you think that they should start growing up? 18. So you say cuddle them until 18 years old or protect them until they're 18 years old. I didn't say cuddle them. Until That's basically 18. what, what you said when they need to grow up. They need to grow up every day. And how but do they do that? Make sure you teach them the right way. The problem is parents ain't teaching them. And that is the problem. Maybe these parents need to be retaught. Well, how do they, how, why do they need to be retaught when they're the ones who let the government in their lives and tell them how to do it? And that is right, Dibber. Uh, that's how it was in your family. The older kids looked out for the younger. That's the way it's always been, except for now. I mean, I, when I was growing up, I looked out for my younger brother. We were four years apart. I think parents have become overprotective where they don't want to see parents are becoming feel, parents fail. are be, parents are becoming overprotective because this day and age is different than our day and age. When we were growing up, all you had to worry. The only thing I worried about growing up was every once in a while you hear about the guy in the trench coat flashing people. Now you're hearing about the kids being dragged into vehicles. You didn't worry about that when we were growing up. That's because we didn't have the Internet. It was probably why it was probably prevalent and it probably did happen, but we just didn't hear about it. It was like a hush hush thing. Yes. Yeah, so now you, you hear about you, it every you day. You can't use that as an excuse because we got the Internet. Now everybody hears about it. Hell, we never heard about all the shit that happened in the biker scene. We had to wait until the easy riders came out a, every month to know what was going on. Now, you know it every day. It just has more access to information, but that still ain't an excuse to say they got it worse now than we did. That's not an excuse. The excuse is parents are coddling these little assholes. That's the issue. And like, uh, what's his name? Uh, we just put that. I like that one right there. Uh, Baca said uh, 18, but it's closer to 30 years old nowadays. That's when the, they even attempt to grow up. Do you agree with that statement? No. No, I don't. I mean, our daughter is in her mid twenties, and she's and she still does act like a baby once in a while. But she's been once on in her, a while. She's been on her own for years. Once in a while. What? She's on the phone with you almost every day, crying and whining about the stupidest shit. Yeah, and usually I hit ignore, so I don't have to listen to it. But it still happens. Yeah, it happens. She lives by herself. She's got nobody to vent to. So, yeah, call mom. Thank God. And <laughs> you want her to call you? Uh, Jason, I keep telling my kids, don't ever start a fight. But if someone hits you, knock the living shit out of the person. Uh, see, I, I was raised a little different. Well, we, we never we I've already told out when I it. felt there was a threat. I would hit you first. If there was a threat. Or I felt that there was something coming, I knocked the hell out of you. I still am like that to today. 
Now, see, I, I don't believe I always taught our kids to defend themselves and never start it. That's but not if somebody, That's but if somebody comes, yourself. if somebody comes at you, then yeah, beat their fucking ass. How many times? Twice we high fived our kid for beating someone. Yeah, ass. but I ain't gonna sit there and stand and get hit first. Screw that shit. I don't like getting hit. Well, one he didn't see coming. <laughs> the other, you know, he was young. Hmm. Nowadays, you know, I think our son would take them down before they had a chance. And that's right, uh, Stephen Dibbs. Uh, if you feel threatened, you would knock the hell out of somebody. That's the, you know what? The, I think that's the problem why a lot of people get hurt nowadays. They sit there and wait for it to happen. Uh-uh. You know, there was always a saying in my neighborhood, you go one-on-one, -on -one, there's fisticuffs, two-on-one. You uh, pull out the knives and then three on one, you just start shooting because that is what life's all about. I'm not going to sit there and get rat packed by anybody. It's pull, think later. That was especially true in our neighborhood. Hell, I've taken you on uh, Man I'm Road a couple times. You've seen how bad that place was. Yeah. And the reason why we struck first and didn't sit there and wait. But now you have the people trying to sell this. Oh, let's sign a contract that we're not going to do this against each other. Man, what the hell kind of crack you on? Or we have to do conflict resolution. Screw that. I'm going to dot his eye before that. That's my conflict resolution. But perseverance isn't a trait that any a lot of people have anymore. No. Where do you think it's went? It's been flushed down the toilet. I really do. I think it's it's in the it's in the wayside. Mm -hmm. People aren't doing what they're supposed to do anymore. And you know what? Talking about that, guys. This is how bad the scene has gotten. Is when you knock the shit out of somebody, it used to be okay. You knock the shit out of them. They took their ass whooping. <coughs> but now they call the cops. I can't believe that happens. They call a cop. Or they call their lawyer after, then they want to sue you. It's like, dude, you're in the wrong business now, man. Well, that's the big thing now. That's why a lot of people don't hit first because of the fact that you already know that person's going to be a cop caller. I don't give a shit. They run their mouth. They can slap. It's all, you know, everybody knows, man. After you get done with the fight, you walk away, you get out of there. But now you got so many PC people out there that want to be a bunch of bitches. Well, and, you and know, that extends to the scene, even clubs. What were you going to say? Well, and you also got the people that if you're fighting somebody, somebody's recording it. So that's going to end up in the cop's hands if there was a cop caller. True. So <laughs> then you got to just sit there and deny and say it wasn't you. This thing is almost as silly looking as Skeletor himself.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm in the mood for something just a little bit wild. God! Now or never, here it comes. Take yourself on a journey into the unknown. Yeah! Are you ready? Attention. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. This is good stuff. I want to share something with you. You're listening to Motorcycle Madhouse Radio, WMMRDB Rockford. If you're just joining us right now, we're talking about never say die and what that means. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> this shit was loud. <laughs> it was blaring my head. I'm a deaf person, man. Oh, That's my right. God, was that I'm, loud. <laughs> I'm deaf. I know it's kind of a serious subject today, and I really think it needs to be discussed straight on and honestly. You know, that's just like you see somebody's people, people, if you will, if you want to call them that, that are so fake that it's funny. What do you think about fake people? They're pathetic trying to be someone they're not we see a lot of that nowadays you know i recently got in a group and i'm not going to put the group down there and it all had to deal with people selling patches on say ebay amazon and i thought to myself well this is pretty screwed up it's probably mostly coming from china but it's screwed up in the aspect of there's people actually buying it. That's why they're selling it. I Because I had to sit back and think about that. I was like, they're doing it because people are buying it. Why would you want to buy a patch that you never earned or you don't even, who would do that? Who would go and buy a patch and actually run around and say a bar? And then I've actually had people on one video say, well, that's theft. That's robbery. You can't take that patch from them. You moron. For one, you're never been in this scene. For two, you don't know what that means to somebody. And three, you got a fake ass out there making fun of you where you had brothers that had died or went to prison for. But they, they're out there, they sell these these patches, they, the trademarks, all that stuff. They sell it. But then you have to say, is it a 50-50 responsibility? Because they're selling it, but we also have idiots out there buying it. So that's where the fake people come in. And if you look at it in life in general, there is a lot of people faking it to make it out there. Yeah. And it's sad that people actually are going to like wish.com or whatever and buying these things and well, not sporting well, them. Yeah, that's one aspect, but I'm talking about say if you're just a regular person. Yeah. You got to make yourself out to be something you're not. So how is that well, imagine, looking at ima you on imagine, life? imagine that person wearing that. And yes, D Dibber is trying to stop that, but uh, Dibber would have to talk about the. Uh, what he's doing because i don't give that information up that's something you got to talk to him about go the, ahead you the, pe the people that are actually going and buying these patches imagine them running into people that are 
Oh, it's happening. <laughs> Actual patch holders. It's happening. When they get their ass kicked, they're running to the cops. Because they're the ones that bought, Or you bought have that. people on the internet. Go look at the fake uh, Hell's Angels patch. I think it's a short I got on there. And you'll see people saying, well, that's robbery. They can't do that. Or well, if, it's if you sale. tried that with me, I'd shoot you. No, you wouldn't, you pussy. You'd call them out right away. No, you wouldn't. Shut up. Because if you were that much of a badass, you wouldn't be wearing a fake patch. And that goes through life in general. I'm going to keep on saying that. Hold on, uh, Dibs. Let me get you. I'm going to have to do it through my uh, Facebook. Go ahead and keep uh, talking. We're going to have uh, my boy on Dibs. Dibber. Keep talking. Well, it's and, and I think a lot of things too is a lot of the clubs need to watch what happens with their patches if they're being sold. It's not the club's fault. The how club, is it not their fault that they it's being can't sold? do nothing in China? Well, that's true. I guess you can't enforce a trademark in China. So trademarks mean nothing in China. No. So China can do whatever so they no, want. There's nothing the clubs can do about it, except when they see that crap. Take their shit. <laughs> the kid, this ain't no fucking costume party. <laughs> no, it ain't no costume party. <laughs> well, we know what some people will dress up as for Halloween. And you know what? You're right on that one, uh, Catholic. Mike Tyson said everyone's got a plan they, to then they get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they get punched in the mouth. And that's the way I look at it, where you got people that are saying, well, I'm going to do this. You ain't going to do shit. Because if you were, you wouldn't be wearing that fake ass crap. Yeah. I sent you the link in uh, the Facebook, uh, Dibs. If you want to come on in, just click the link and I'll bring you in. But unbelievable. Hopefully when we get back, we'll have Dibs on. Hail to the king, baby. I love the smell of night pump in the morning. Hey, where are the white women at? Killer tunes that don't suck. WMMRDB Rockburn. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Getting kicked in the nuts. You get kicked in the cooter pocket all the time sometimes. Or I'll like twitch that sucker. No, our son is famous for kicking the cooter. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you feel guilty trying to like punch a kid back in the junk, but you know. Oh, here he is. Let's get him on here. Uh, Live from England himself, it is the old timer, the godfather. It's Dibber in the wind. What's up, Dibs? All right, my <laughs> right, mate. Let me, just, let, me, let me just try and stop you from getting uh, feedback. Uh, he's got that English. He's got that. There you go. Yeah, I can hear you, man. Right. Now, uh, I've just put a link up there in your uh, stream for people to go and have a look at. And this is the sort of thing we're going after. Um, what, what we actually need, James, is for people like yourself, because you say that the Chinese are untouchable. Them websites, they're not untouchable. Absolutely not untouchable. Because you see... They still have to abide by DMCA. 
Yeah, if a mm. DMCA is filed on them, they have to act on it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, those Chinese websites are dependent on uh, browsers such as Google and all the rest of it. Yeah, to uh, mm. get their websites out there, so they have a legal obligation to respond right. to DMCA takedowns because they can have their website removed from that search engine if they don't, and they know it. What's that say to you about people? that actually buy that crap well it's i mean God. i mean some of them i actually had a conversation with one of the hang on let me just plug myself here because i'm not in my usual space i'm in my dosing room i actually had a conversation with a lad about it he put a post up on uh, my youtube video about it and uh, he said it's uh, he's got this interest in motorcycle clubs you know, he's got this fascination about it, and that's why he bought them. And I said to him, "Well, if you have got this fascination, why not just print it out and put it and put it on your wall?" Do you know what I mean? Right. Don't go and buy these fake patches, because what you're doing is you're you're actually giving these companies more incentive to carry on doing it. Mm-hmm. But there is a way we can bring them down. And if what it takes is is for everybody to pull together. I know there's a lot of division with the clubs, yeah. But it's time that the clubs say, "Okay, for this." we'll put that aside because obviously the clubs don't need to communicate with each other within the group that we've set up that you are now a part of but mm. you in so you could have a look see what was going on you've got a serious reach with people particular clubs and i know you have you can reach out to those clubs and go look at this this stuff's here they can put their legal team on it mm. this is what we're doing we we want mcs yeah we want representatives from the big mcs we've already got some from the big mcs over here that are already in there you know it you've seen them Right. But what we need is, say, for instance, 81. Yeah. The people that hold the trademark copyrights and everything for that are in America. The guys over here can't do nothing about it because they haven't got access to it. Yeah. It's the same with the Vargos. Yeah. Their trademarks and everything are held by the mother club in America. So it's for those clubs in America to file against these websites and stuff. And they can. All they've got to do is put their legal representation on it and they can have them shut down. It's as simple as that. It can be done. And we've been doing it for the last few days. We've taken down a multitude of stuff. I've passed well, that's, over what I, that's what I like about your, your group is people are actually sending the links and you're exposing them. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we're also telling the clubs how they can go about getting this stuff removed. Because there is a process that they can use. It's called DMCA. Oh, yeah. We have to abide by DMCA all the time. I know what you're talking about. But these Chinese companies and that, they're not untouchable because they are dependent on servers that are outside China. They're, they're, They're dependent on the search engines that are not owned by China. And those American, like Google and stuff, they've got a legal obligation. Mm. so that's how you do it what we well, need is for you do, to reach you, out. do you want me to tell everybody what the group is or no uh if they're a patch holder as you know they can get in or if they're right. an official support club they can get in yeah we're okay. not letting anybody in there unless they're a patch holder or they're part of a support group there you go support group right because we're keeping this in-house we don't want these people to know what we're doing right we, want, we don't want people coming in there, you know, the sort. They've watched four seasons of Gangland. They've watched half a dozen episodes of Sons of Anarchy. They've bought half a dozen books off the internet, and all of a sudden they're a bloody expert. <laughs> we don't want them people in there. We've already had an incident where we let somebody in 
yeah, that's prospecting for one of the smaller clubs, you know, and he started putting up links to fantasy patches. And that's not what we're after. We're after no. the real stuff, right? We're not after the fantasy stuff. You, that's, that's irrelevant. We want the real stuff, yeah? I mean, we passed over stuff last night to one of the biggest MCs in the world that they didn't even know was going on. Mm. They certainly know about it now. Well, one thing I love about you is you're real and you stick behind your convictions and all that type of stuff. And that's one thing that I think is missing. Do you have a problem with people giving advice that haven't been around? If they haven't been in the club, they should shut their mouth. Simple as that. Mm. If they've never lived it, they got no place talking about it. And if they've held a patch for less than five, ten years... Hit the road, Jack. I don't want to know. You've never really lived it. That's why Simple I love that. that. You know me, James. You know me, James. We've spoken off camera. Yeah. Right. You know what? You know what I've done. I've been right. around this thing for forty-one years, mate. I'm nearly sixty years old. I've seen it. all. You don't I've look sixty, it. man. I've seen it all. And I've heard it all. Yeah. And I've been in some of the most violent stuff that was going on during the nineteen eighties. I've been there. I lived it. So unless somebody's been there, lived it, seen it, yeah, breathed it, I'm not interested in their opinion. Their opinion means squat to me. A, to well, just like, your, just like your group, uh, how you're fighting against uh, the fake patches and stuff, how do we as creators fight back against all this myth, misinformation that comes from people that haven't, because you know, you can listen to them, they haven't been around, you can know it. You, how do we fight back against that? It's a difficult one, see? That's a difficult one. It, what it actually takes is for people to start exposing them. But then what actually happens is when people expose them, so if we come onto YouTube and say that guy is definitely not a club member, never been in a club and all this, and you identify them, well, then they can file against us on YouTube for privacy. Mm -hmm. And have oh, a shut yeah. down. And that's what you'll find. When somebody knows, when you're telling the truth and they don't want the truth to get out there, it's like with all the social media networks, yeah? When all that stuff was going around about the jabs and all this type of stuff, nobody was allowed to talk about it because there was only allowed to be one truth. You know? Mm. And it's the same with these people. If you go and expose them, if I come on and said, so I'm very careful, you know, you watched the video oh, yeah. that said, I had the question put to me, are all these people that are wearing 1% of diamonds and stuff on YouTube, real 1%ers giving out advice? Well, the answer to that is, is that like, 95% of them are not real or they were in a club for five minutes. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what I said because it's the truth. Mm. And like you say, you can tell when someone's lived it by how they speak. The problem here is, yeah. is that the general public don't. You see, and that's why I say you, I hear them. They talk like gangsters and all this type of stuff. You know, they come on with a certain way they speak and that. But in real life, real one percenters now don't speak like that. They speak like you and I. Well, that's right. It's true. And does the, that kind of stuff lead into these people thinking it's all right to go and buy some of these patches? Is it cre some creator's fault for letting this happen? No, I blame solely on Kurt Sutter. It's <laughs> yeah, purely on the shoulders of Kurt Sutter because I'll tell you why, yeah. We didn't have this issue with people copying patches until Sons of Anarchy and Mayans come along. 
then mm. there was this great interest in motorcycle clubs, as you well know. Creators oh, yeah. like myself had to break a rule of a lifetime and step up and say, hey, hey, this ain't real life. Don't go slapping that on your back. That could get you in trouble. You know what I mean? This is, you don't do it. Mm-hmm. But I, now, blame, what... I blame Kurt Sutter, the Fox Network, and all these others. You know, there's Eric Bischoff. You know, they yeah. brought, he brought it into wrestling with aces and eights. So, of course, you get all these wrestling fans that got into this idea of three-piece patches. You've got all of these people that watch Sons of Anarchy and Mayans and all that. They get this interest, yeah, and it's blown up. We didn't have this problem with all these patches being ripped off until there was this great interest in motorcycle clubs, especially the outlaw motorcycle clubs, as they are so called. Right. Now, I, I put a lot of the blame on media, television. Now, putting clubs to a side, now you're in England, we're in America. Are you seeing the same culture shift to something that's unrecognizable from what we had to deal with? And basically, the weakness of the mind. Well, the thing of it is, over here, and I have noticed, and I was in a conversation with someone about this the other night, is that in certain areas... The, the uh, clubs, the, the, the larger, bigger clubs are really starting to um, clamp down on a lot of the stupidness. Mm. I, I know of an area now that if you're a particular type of club, you can't call yourself a president, a vice president, a treasurer, a secretary. You have to mm. be a chairman, a vice chairman. You know what I mean? There's, you, you don't use those terminologies you know, if right. your club isn't run like that. But I'm talking about society in general. Society, where... society in general is like, it's very difficult to gauge, you know, because I, the, so I don't mix with general society. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about, well, some of the attitudes of these kids these days where oh, yeah, well, they're uh, victims. They're is all it victims. They're all is victims. it happening over yeah, in the yeah, UK? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You have competition. Like, it, it schools over here. Like, you know, you have a race. Everybody wins a trophy. There can't be a loser. Mm. we've got that over here now so it's the I, same thing that you're dealing with that we're it, dealing with it's the same garbage yeah and this is what's destroying society because these youngsters don't know what it's like to lose they don't know what it's like to have hear the word no they don't know what it feels like to feel a hand across the back of their legs you know they don't know what it's like to be sent to bed at six o'clock and you're not allowed to come back down the stairs until the morning because you misbehaved they don't know what it's like to be properly grounded without a stereo, without a television, without their computer, without their tablets, without their phones, without their laptops. You see, when we were, when we were younger and we were grounded, we had the bed and the four walls, and that was it. What do you, you think, China? I know you want to ask Dibber about uh, some UK stuff because you talked about it. Well, is it the same over in Europe than it is here now? I know you got questions about uh, UK society over there. Well, do you have the same issues that we have here with like the pharmaceuticals and all the doctors pushing all these meds? We've got a thing called the National Health Service. Yeah. And of course, like it's kind of a two tier system. So if, for instance, you are unemployed or you've got a disability or some type of benefits, yeah, you, you get help with your with your meds to pay for them, yeah? Or, or like me, because I've got a, a disability that's lifelong, it's never going away, it's, you know, destroying me. 
I don't have to pay for my meds. I paid for my meds with my taxes and my national insurance all the years I was working. But we, the pharmaceutical companies, are trying to influence our government. It's very obvious they're trying to influence our government. And it's very obvious that they want to privatise everything over here so it's like how it is in the United States. So but are you are you having a problem with pharmaceutical companies and these psychiatrists and stuff working together where they just well, push? They all, work together. they all work together secretly behind the scenes. There's no two ways about it. Absolutely, they're working behind. I mean, they're influencing our government policy. And it's true. You can see it happening every day. The, 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 this uh, Jovid that we've just had, you know. You could tell absolutely our government were in the pockets of the pharmaceutical companies. Absolutely, 100%. 100%. I mean, there is, they even brought laws in to prevent the pharmaceutical companies from being prosecuted if people were injured by their vaccine. Mm. And you notice I'm having to be careful how I use words here because... Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, now, one interesting thing that you told me is the difference between the insurance and so, you know one thing that caught my my uh my attention was people had to be accountable for their health like you know given the teeth incident you gave me well of course you are accountable for your own health you know what i mean if you don't go to the doctors when you're getting pains or your teeth are rotten then it's down to you that is that's you know but, but how um, the insurance covers it, you say, well, oh, well, we're... well, what we've got over here, as I say, we've got the National Health Service. So we've actually got, again, a two tier dental system over here. We have got 100 percent private, which I am. Right. Because I've got the, you know, I took out an insurance policy that I pay into every year that covers all my dental work. I don't need to claim that from the state. Right. So I have mine done private anyway, so it don't matter to me. Uh, but we've, like I say, we've got this two-tier dental system. You've got the private sector and you've got the national health sector, although the national health sector is actually being slowly but surely eroded. There's less and less national health dentists. They all want to go private to make their... But mm. what happens is, if you have it done on the national health, you get help for your treatment, okay? So you go to the dentist, the, the state will pay a certain amount for you, yeah, and then you have to pay, I think it's 20%, I think it is, and the state will carry 80% for you. Yeah, mm. but, it's, but if you're claiming benefits or anything, it's free. Simple as that. If you're claiming a health benefit, you know, uh, you know, you're unemployed, that sort of thing, you know, if you're on, you know, getting help, you know, financially, you get help with your dental and that as well. So, Oh, uh, we got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions coming in for you, Dibber. Uh, <laughs> How's England going to handle the new lockdown that's coming? It's not going to happen because we're going to say, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, you know what? That's Boris feeling, Johnson. That's the, feeling, that's the feeling across the country now. It's done so much damage over here to the kids, especially the kids. Right? And Boris, jo Boris Johnson was one of the biggest advocates of those lockdowns, wasn't he? Well, the guy's just a scumbag, got no time for him or his party. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're the ones that are in the pockets of all the big corporations. Mm. Tories are the absolute worst for it. They are. That's why they wanted us out of the European Union. Because what uh, would you, you know, what would you, the American corporations can get in here and take over our NHS and all that type of stuff. 
what would you say to Americans that look around at, say, Canadian, England, uh, a lot of uh, Norway, Dutch had have nationalized healthcare systems and saying to ourselves, well, we should have something like that. What would you say? Make sure that the uh, pharmaceutical companies have absolutely no involvement in setting it up. Also, make sure that uh, your actual government have as little to do with it as possible, that it's actually dealt with by people that are in the field, doctors, nurses, all that. Let them set it up because they know what people really need. Governments will always get in the pockets with corporations. It's, it's, that's how it is. They, they control and they influence policy in your country. They do the same in my country. They do it all over the world. So is that something Americans should look at is nationalized healthcare? Well, the thing of it is, at the end of the day, you guys pay healthcare insurance and all this sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, and I, I also gather that employers set up your insurance fee for you. Yeah, some of them. Well, to do what we've got, you've firstly got to have a national insurance system, which everyone pays into with their wages. Unless, of course, you're unemployed, which is a different matter. But if you're working, over here you pay national insurance. It's a percentage that comes out of your wages. That's what goes in to help finance the uh, National Health Service. It's also supported by, obviously, tax. And as we now know, because it's more and more becoming out every every year, the pharmaceutical companies are getting really involved with financing it as well. So they're, they're getting more power by influencing government, and they're also getting more power by having doctors prescribe certain drugs for certain ailments. Do you feel like your taxes are actually going for something? Because here in the United States, it feels like our we don't take being, Go ahead. Our taxes, our taxes are being piddled up the wall by our government with their novelty projects and all this type of stuff. You know, they'd rather finance a novelty project than look after their own. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm seeing a lot of it. And we see that with the Labour Party over here. Instead of being the party for the workers, which is what they originally were supposed to be about, they've become the party for every, you know, <laughs> every degenerate, every, every <laughs> minority group and all this type of stuff. They're not fighting for the, for the benefit of workers, which is what the Labour Party was out for. The clue is there. Labour Party. Yeah, that's just like they're, what the Democrats you know, used to be. What they're getting involved in, they're getting involved in, you know, Pet projects. You know? well, so when you say got, we've, when got you an say... Issue. we've got an issue with people coming over here on rubber boats illegally from France. Right? Oh, so man, we've got, we've got a government we've, we've got a government that's trying to put a stop to it, but then we've got another party that is trying to prevent them from actually doing what they need to do and they start throwing up you're a racist, it's racism to do this, you da da da. We, the Labour Party are hamstringing the government, and that's an absolute fact. Yeah? They are hamstringing the government from being able to bring in policy. So I'll tell you what it's like. I'll be honest with you, James. I think before they go into that House of Commons and they do all their debating, I think they hand out a script to everybody before they go in there. Kind you of like what, I mean? what we got over here. <laughs> it's as if they're, they're going to a script. But when you've got political parties that because of ideologies, and it is because of ideologies, yeah, 
you've got an ideology of like BLM, right? So if our government try to do something to curtail something, you'll have a party or people that support them that try and put a stop to it. Even though what the people might be doing is completely and utterly illegal, you've got people in government that will actually support this illegal activity. Well, the, here's two questions for you. The first one is, how do you feel about, because me, I'm real pissed off about this, where our money's being sent to other countries, say Ukraine, to fight their war. And two, does England take care of its veterans? We've got veterans living on the streets, mate. So that tells you how much they care about our veterans. Okay, if they cared about our veterans, none of them be living on the street. And some of these guys, they've seen active service. You know, they have got some serious issues going on, PTSD and all this. They're right. living on the streets. You know, guys that serve this country, yeah, queen and country, swore an oath of allegiance, are being left to sleep on the streets, yet our government, when these people come over on boats illegally, are putting them in three, four, and five-star hotels. That tells <laughs> you how our veterans are being treated over here. It's kind of like uh, the United States and UK politicians are working together because they're bringing illegals and putting them in freaking five-star hotels over here while our vets are on the street. Well, my question would be... Uh, do, do the people in the UK think that the government in the US is a joke? <laughs> uh, I can't speak for everyone in the UK, but I can tell you, I think uh, whenever <laughs> I see Sleepy Joe, I laugh my head off and think to myself, how the hell did that guy ever get in, into, into government? <laughs> and I mean, it's the corruption as well. We watch the corruption from this side of the water. My God, I've only ever seen corruption like that in one other country. And that's Malta. You want to talk about corruption over there in Malta? They have raffles. You you vote for me, and you can have this raffle ticket. And you can win a car. Wow! In the country, in the country I come from, if you hold a rally, you're not even allowed to give out free bottles of water. Wow! Oh, they're taking the lead, <laughs> Malta, from the Democrats, man. What do you think about your um, tax money going to other countries before helping your own? cheeses me off somewhat i'm not going to say what words i really want to use but let's just say it cheeses me off somewhat mm. you know I when know. i look at my country and it's sending money off to india and then india is sending rockets into space you know why are we giving them like aid what um, is I'm, i love that china you know uk actually pays aid money to china and that's wow. an absolute truth. Absolute truth. See, it, it's very interesting. You know, I know Dibber's known for the club stuff, and but I like hearing the geopolitical stuff from overseas. Uh, that kind of gives you a little more in-depth uh, look, China now, at how everything else. Yeah, but you got to bear in mind, though. Of... You got to bear in mind, though, James. I look at it like telescopy. So it's. Um... My, you know, it's it's like the uh, when you're looking for information about something, you tend to look for information that will support what you think rather than 
going out there and looking at the the wider picture. So right. when it comes to politics with me, my I, I've grown so despondent with it all, and you know I'm very disappointed with the way that government works that I've. I've got to the point now where I'm 60 years old and I'm the only thing I'm really worried about is my niece and my great nieces and the kids that are going to come. Right. That's now. That's, but when it comes sweet. to politics now, I, I'm, I'm really trying to avoid getting into politics these days because it is so bent and corrupt. You can't speak the truth when it comes to politics because you'll get someone coming. You go, oh, you're a racist. You're a this, you're a that, you're a that. And the one that makes me laugh is the one when they call me an anti-Semite. Considering that I'm Semitic on both sides of my dad's family. Well, I was going to bring that up, switching gears back to uh, clubs. You, you know, one of your biggest videos that I loved was Israel, your trip to Israel. And, and I believe it's Malta, how they actually give us a blueprint of how clubs should act as far as brotherhood is concerned. If Absolutely. you don't know nothing about the Middle East, guys, I know Dibber can tell you, but the Middle East is racked with division. And when he did his video in Israel, it was so interesting to see how Christians, how Jews, how Muslims came together in them clubs. They all stand by side, side by side. They all call each other brother. You know, and how uh, is it? What can that teach us all over the the rest of the world in the scene? Is to put your religion to one side, your polit politics. Because when you go to Israel, you don't talk religion to them guys over there. You don't talk religion when you're around the clubs in Israel, and and you don't you don't talk politics. You know, worldly politics and stuff around them. They keep mm -hmm. that out of their club scene. They don't have that in their club scene. You don't talk about religion and you don't talk about politics. That's the way it used to be. And, 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 it's, the same, and it's the same. If you if you go to Iraq, for instance, yeah, there's a group in Iraq. They're called Iraq Bikers. I did a video about them, yeah? And um, that's... Uh, his name's Balal, the guy that runs it, yeah? He's uh, ex-military. But in that club, it's absolutely forbidden for a brother to ask another brother what religion he is. Absolutely forbidden. Because they won't have that division within their clubs. You go to, they have one of the biggest Harley Davidson events <clears throat> in Jordan. Yeah, in Israel, you know, in Jordan in the Middle East. And you will see the clubs from all over the Middle East. They will descend on that one big event in Jordan. They all party together, hang together ride together because there's big ride outs every day during the Harley Hog thing that goes on there. They all hang out together. They all stand on the stage together with their country's flags, with their country, you know, with their club, club colours. They all hug each other. They all call each other brother. So uh, the, the, the world could learn a lot from how those guys uh, are doing things because you keep the religion out of it, you keep the politics out of it, and you just make it about the brotherhood, about the bikes, about the riding, about the being together, we're all in this together. You know what I mean? And that's the attitude they've got. You don't see the fighting. You don't see the division because the things that will cause that, they keep out of the scene, completely out of the scene. Absolutely. And by the way, guys, I'm going to get Deborah. We're just working on dates right now. 
on uh, the uh, Hollywood and Mike show. The, we're going to be talking about this. See, I love the history stuff within the scene. You know, just like that uh, new uh, movie coming out about Danny Lyons. But we're going to be talking about what the cafe racer scene was all about because it did start in England. You know, everybody thinks everything starts here in America, but uh, we're going to be talking about the history of the cafe racer scene. 59 Club as well, because uh, the 59 Club are very uh, instrumental in that whole cafe racer thing. They're, they're, you know, it's the guys that, that, that were in the 59 Club that really kept it alive after it sort of faded out. I mean, it's a huge club. The 59 Club is absolutely gigantic worldwide. It's massive. You're talking tens of thousands of members worldwide. So, and we're also going to be talking about uh, MCC, what it means. And did you guys and gals know that the first club actually started in England and not in the United States? Not in That's the history. In London. In London. We're going to be talking history. Uh it's going to be a fun time. It's a fun Mike's in here. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's getting all excited. Is, though, what people don't actually realize is a lot of the stuff with clubs actually, you know, run side by side. You see, you got to bear in mind, I'm out, there's this whole thing out there and it really does get on my wick somewhat <clears throat> that everybody wants to be the oldest. We've been going the longest. We're the oldest. Screw that. <clears throat> Get away from that, you know. Mm -hmm. That's another thing that divides people. Yeah, it's another thing that divides people. The problem with it is, is like you say, there are people out there that have got this belief that certain things were created in certain places. What they seem to forget is, is that we actually had a fully functioning motorcycle industry here before the first motorcycle ever rolled off out of a shed in America. Actually, yep. your first uh, MC started off as a bicycle club, didn't it? Uh, <clears throat> no, our, the the first first motorcycle motorcycle club were a bunch of people that discovered this newfangled machine, and you had to be pretty wealthy at the time to go out and buy one. And they discovered this newfangled machine called a motorbike. You know, a motorcycle. It wasn't. They didn't even have a name for it back then. The word motorcycle is actually comes from a German word. You know, the Germans were the first to coin the term motorcycle. You know, but we are, like I say, we, are, we, we, we can put our hands up to it. And yeah, we quite proud of the fact that we had our very first motorcycle club here in 1901. It was founded in London, England. Um, and it was actually literally called the Motor Cycling Club. Think about it. M-C-C. Motor Cycling Club. Chatted house over here. Holy cow! I didn't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being it's, schooled. <laughs> it's the oldest designation in motorcycle clubs. And hopefully, another uh, topic we're going to get into with Dib is the different manufacturers that are in England because they got baby, they got the Triumph over there. My first bike was a '77 Bonneville, so my heart's with the Triumph. The, uh, the thing is, though. With that, James, is that none of them are the original companies anymore. True, true. So you got Royal Enfield, which is an old British manufacturer. They're made in India. Oh, yeah, true. Royal Enfield. Uh, I believe a there's, a new, there's, a, there's a BSA out there now. BSA have been brought back again. Another bike that isn't even made here. Uh, it isn't, well, actually, they've got a factory here, which is pretty good. But again, it's another Indian 
company that's uh, caused that to happen. Norden. Well, yeah, that's going back some. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. History buff, man. But well, that's Norton, what Norton, that's... Norton's had more rebirths than Jesus and his disciples and stuff. You know, I mean, they've right. died, you know, they've died. They've been resurrected. They've died, been resurrected, died, resurrected. You know, it's uh, Norton. But is, they do that a... in a lot of people's mouths because a lot of people invested in Norton bought Norton motorcycles the last time round, and they still haven't received their bikes yet. But they <laughs> yeah. do have a very honorable beginning, even though that they're, you know, passed down and stuff. It just, because Americans always think, well, well Harley Davidson's the best. Well, you haven't been on a damn triumph, man. Or you, you know, you haven't been, and most clubs in the United States before the Harley only rule used to, have a lot of triumph choppers out there they used to have a lot of bsas out there a lot of english stuff because that, yeah go ahead you see that beautiful little chopper posted up on my facebook page it's up for sale at the minute do you see that beautiful little black one? Oh, the triumph no the little black chopper posted up on my facebook oh the black page. chopper chopper i'm gonna have to let them see that uh when that, see a, there you go you can own the you can own a, a dipper chopper man well, it's not Everything. mine. It's one of my friends, and the 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 bike itself was built by one of the top builders from like the 1980s. Uh, he come from a club called the National Chopper Club, which is also one of the biggest um, clubs in the UK, which is homegrown. They've right, now yeah. spread out across Europe and into other countries. National Chopper Club. You should go and look them up. They they had some of the best bike builders in in Britain in that club. Absolutely. I mean, my old 754 uh, which i put into the side of a sherpa van um, that was totally destroyed except for the frame and the frame was built by a guy called bootsy and bootsy mm. was one of the best best bike builders in this country again tied to that club that club produced some of the best bike builders in the united kingdom well another subject everybody that we're gonna bring up with uh dibs is how the UK is actually more real in their biker scene than the United States is now. They're actually a lot more hardcore. They believe in the rules that they set up compared to Americans. And I'm not just talking about clubs. I'm talking bikers in general. The attitudes, their philosophy, that's the kind of stuff that we're really going to uh, look forward to as far as history because they do have that history man one of the uh, things that cracks, cracks me up is when when i listen to american guys or even canadian guys or guys in other countries to go oh yeah it's uh, coming to the end of the season now that's alien to us we don't know what, what end of the season what the hell does that mean hollywood because, <laughs> because for us <laughs> because for us right Eagle, the season, England these don't stuff. attend to the snow either. <laughs> oh, neither do for we, Lindsay. <laughs> for, for us, the season starts on the 1st of January. Yeah. And it ends on the last day of December. <laughs> <laughs> and starts over. <laughs> yeah. it, it starts on the 1st of January. It ends on the last day of December. <laughs> we, there are guys over here that are so hardcore. And I've, I used to, I mean, the, my club, the, one of my old clubs that I was in, the actual name of the club said, basically, if you don't ride every single day, hit the road jack. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to ride your bike every day. And we used to have a meet-up every Sunday, yeah, for the club. All the brothers had to be there unless you was in hospital, yeah, or your bike had blown up. That was the only two reasons it were acceptable for you not to be there. A family dinner wasn't enough. Meeting, going, taking the kids to the fair. None of that. Yeah, you had to be there. And I'm not joking. We used to turn up at the bar where we all used to meet, and you could have two foot of snow outside. And you'd see the bike still lined up outside the bar before we went for our run. And we used to go for a run in snow, rain, sleet. Blistering on sunshine, <laughs> no matter the weather, that Sunday run, you had to be there. Oh, England, England don't got the best weather, Manny. I heard England's weather sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, we've only just had sunshine now for the last couple of days. The weather's been absolutely diabolical over here, which is probably why my bones have been grieving me so bad. Oh, but, man. So we're, we're pretty hardcore over here, and I don't think people realize just how hardcore we are. I, 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 we're, we're, and the thing what really does annoy me is, is because I think it's because we're, for some reason, we're seen as the new kids on the block. Are you for real? <laughs> you know what I mean? The new kids on the block. Seriously, go and look at our history. We actually had fully functioning motorcycle industry before pretty much any other country in the world rolled motorcycles out of garden sheds. Yeah, you know, so. Well, that's what I can't wait to hear about when we get you on there. Uh, Mike, if you can get a hold of Dibber, man, work out the details as far as getting them on. We're going to be talking about the 59 Club. We're going to be talking about history of MCC and as well as the different motorcycle manufacturers that come out of England. I think that's just going to be a wonderful show. I, I will say something, though, in regards to the show that you're doing with Mike. That's absolutely fantastic. I love that show, you know. I always make sure I've got a time of day. I tune in to watch that one. I can just sit back and listen to you guys. I mean, what you did with the lawyer, for instance, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh -huh. How helpful is that to the biker community, the club community, and people just on motorcycles? People should be watching that stuff and learning. That is really useful information. That's the sort of thing that we need being put out there. That's why I thought it was so good. Really well, then, that. you know what? That's the show that I actually, that's actually the content I like doing is that kind of stuff. And that's really, really, I'm turning my channel into and trying to get away with the, uh, you know, away from the other crap because it was so informative. You know, Mike got, because uh, Mike's getting the guest. The and, thing is with Mikey, though, that Mikey's lived it. And, and he's, and he's a baby. Yeah, and he speaks like an old grey beard. This is what mm -hmm. amazes me. He's a young man that he speaks like a grey beard. And that blew me away when I was sitting there listening to him. I thought, oh, my God. But then when you think what he's been through, he's been forced to grow older than he actually is mm -hmm. because right. of what happened to him. That changes a man. Oh, a it great does. Deal. I know because I've been through it myself with you know multiple serious injuries that I had in my accident. Mm. That changes a man. That makes you grow up quick, sharp. Oh, yeah, especially with but what it's he his, went it's through. His, it's, it's, it's the way his brain works, though. His brain seems to work like a grey beard. And it's, it really blew me away. I was like, whoa, I was on the back heel with it, you know. This is a young man. And he's, the knowledge and the way that he puts himself across, you know. And you can tell. You don't need to see colours or anything with that man. You know he's been there and lived it. 
Mm. And he probably still lives it now. Right. I couldn't imagine going through what he went through, but he's really, he's really kicking the shit out of that show where, you know, we got uh, Meg coming up uh, from Meg's uh, motorcycle journey, the next show. And we're going to be talking about women in the scene, because as you know, women used to not be uh, looked upon that good uh, by us in the scene. And she's also a lawyer. Got some, we got some serious women. I mean, let's take for instance. I'll, I'll go like, let's I'll quickly start with Malta because obviously we were going to go on to that just now. They've got one of the most incredible scenes you'll ever, ever see. Yeah, they uh, it blew my mind when I went there. It just totally blew my mind. You think about a major MC, right? Global, where you can just walk up to their clubhouse, walk in the door, sit down with the boys and have a drink with them if you're just a member of the public. Imagine that. That blew me away when I saw that. I couldn't believe it. Clubhouses with doors open, having parties, and if the general public want to pop in and have a drink with them, they can. That is awesome. (laughs) And the clubs all hang out together. They all party together. They all ride together. They all go to each other's events. They all support each other. It's just mind-blowing over there. It's, it, and again, that's why I like this, this, what they got in Israel. And I mean, you've got to bear in mind, we've got our coalitions and our alliances here in the UK. You know, they all hang out together. They all ride together. They all party together. It's, that's, a, that's what it's all world. supposed to be about. It's a different world, mate. Different world. I'm not saying that it's perfect that we don't have problems here. We do. There's documented. You go and look them up. I'd be a liar if I said there wasn't. But we have got one of the most together scenes in the world. And you know I've been around. Oh, yeah. I agree. UK has got it together, man. It kind of makes me jealous as American. Uh, We got a couple questions. Then uh, we're going to get Dibber booked up. Uh, Catholic, uh, do you know of anything about bikers in Norway? You know me, I don't like to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I do know a lot about what the Nordic scene. Uh, I've got friends that are part of the Nordic scene. But the Nordic scene, as you know, if you go and look it up, um, it's, it's, it's bad, bad their problems. It's a, it's a touchy subject, uh, Catholic. Touchy, with it's, a touchy, it's a touchy subject for some. But, oh, yeah, I know, the, I, I know a few guys from there. The most I know about the Nordic biker scene is they got some hot-ass broads over there. <laughs> <laughs> but what you'll, find is, what you'll find is that, that you, there you'll actually now see clubs riding together. But you know yourself that once upon a time we're firing rocket launchers at each other. Oh, yeah, it was some pretty hardcore shit over there, man. Yeah, I, do, I know a fair bit about the Nordic scene, but, you know, what I would suggest is that people go and research the stuff for themselves. There's plenty of newspaper stories out there. You know, there's plenty of videos there on YouTube that show the whole Nordic thing. There's, go out and get yourself, but don't, for God's sake, don't just look at one little thing. You need to look at the big, broader picture. Of mm-hmm. how it started, who started it, when it started, how it came to an end, all of this, you see. It's the politics. I don't like getting into the other countries' politics. Right. But, right. Um, yeah, I, I do know about the Nordic scene because I know guys from the Nordic scene. Yeah, kid. Uh, Sunday's just the beginning of the shows that we're going to be uh, 
doing that covers the MC support community outreach. That's the what the real scene's all about is the support for the community, bikers are getting along and stuff. But uh anyway, uh Dibs, uh, I appreciate you jumping on, man. Uh I gotta get to work. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is if if you are a member of a prominent motorcycle club in America, yeah. Uh, please come across to uh, the MC and MCC trademark and copyright fight back group over on Facebook. Make could, sure you're a member. If you ain't a member, don't even go there. We could really, really do with some people from America coming in here because they've got the connections to the mother clubs and they can pass that information because it's the mother clubs that hold all the copyrights and trademarks, you see. And they're the ones that can be really effective on taking this stuff down. Mike, uh, Dibber, do you have an Instagram? Uh, no, I don't, I don't Insta. he's a Facebook not. person, he's Facebook, Mike. He's Facebook. I'm a yeah. sad book person. <laughs> 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 Hi, Dibs, man. I appreciate having you on, buddy. Uh, we'll get Mike together and we're going to be talking about 59. We're going to be talking about the history. This is going to be one of my favorite shows. Everybody knows I'm a gearhead, so. <laughs> appreciate it appreciate it divs i'll talk to you later buddy yeah, we'll have a chat later. goodbye darling to you let's come let's creep off in the <laughs> talk to you later man i'll catch you later bro <laughs> that was dibs man i always you know what his knowledge of the mc scene but as well as motorcycles in general, just floor me, man. You know, we're secretly dating. Well, you know, at least you got a UK boyfriend. Uh, you know, Dibs can have you anytime. No, those smooches were for China, not Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can pick his brain about UK culture and all that kind of stuff. I really enjoy our conversations because... You know, when you talk to somebody, you can actually know you learned something. Yeah. Every time, every time we have conversations with him, and this is actually only the second time I've had a conversation with Dibber. Uh, the first one, you and him were talking and I was leaving for work and I almost didn't want to go to work because I <laughs> wanted to talk to Dibber. That was the first conversation. And this is the longest time I've actually had a conversation mm -hmm. with him in there. And the knowledge that he gives uh, is just amazing what he knows and what he deals with in the uk and yeah as you can tell he thinks that you know biden's a joke <laughs> but you know what i found his travels so interesting his travels are just wonderful i wish everybody could do it like the one to Israel, I would be one of them guys who would be in awe of how they handle things over there with all the strife that they got going on in that country or over in that part of the world. And he got to see it. I think brotherhood in a true form. You don't see that kind of stuff here in America because all the politics and stuff, but it's the true form of brotherhood. Well, even listening to them about how the UK scene is, they they're tight knit over there. I wish it would come back to that way. And, and you're gonna have to hook up with Mikey on Facebook. He says he can't find Dibber. I'll get you into. I'll throw uh, throw you his uh, thing over there, Mike. 
but when you can get him booked up, make sure you know he's six hours ahead of us. So we might need to play with the time over there, you know, because he is getting 60 years old. He's an old man. He's probably sleeping. No. <laughs> yeah, well, if you look at the big picture, he's six hours ahead of us. and It's almost 10 o'clock here. Yeah, it's very early by him. Right. Anyway, guys, uh, Mike just found it. Let me know if you have problems. Uh, starting to upload other videos on my travels over on his channel. Make sure you go over to Deborah in the Wind, man. His, uh, those are my favorite damn videos. Is the travel ones where he gets the, and he has traveled. Yeah, he has. It's not Lots like a, of places. see. I think with America, you don't want to go outside of America because everybody hates our ass over there. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> everybody hates us. So you get all chopped up or something like that. But yeah, we're gonna be having dibs in the wind on the show. Mike's gonna arrange that. We got Meg from uh, Meg's Motorcycle uh, Adventures coming on on the next show. Uh, that's the kind of topics we're gonna talk about. Is woman in the scene. Uh, how she got her start. She's a lawyer as well. And if you didn't catch our last show with that uh, lawyer, I think it was a very interesting uh, conversation. And that's what Mike is trying to do. Uh, again, I'm just the idiot talking on the show. It's Mike that actually sets everything up. He's the one that spends time with the guest. And uh, he really deserves a lot of credit. And I wish you guys would go over there and check out uh, Insane Wheels by Mike Ball. Help him get going, man. If you really support his message, get over there and help the freaking one-legged prick, yeah. will you? Get over there. Anyway, uh, that's it for today. We ran a little overtime. I apologize. Uh, no, I don't. Fuck no, you, you don't. You don't like <laughs> if you don't like it, hang. Go just fuck yourself. <laughs> go somewhere else. <laughs> right? Anyway, that was the show today. Very interesting stuff. Very interesting guests with Dibs in the Wind. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Rock on, everybody.